0: So good. Are we so blessed this morning, Relentless Church? We're so blessed to be here. You guys, I'm not mad at you, but you got to get here on time. Ralph Lane was up here preaching. All right, it was beautiful stuff. Thank you, sir. Um, really, I'm really excited about this series, Anxious. Here's why. Um, we, we try to help you every week, no matter what we're talking about, but but... This series, it's not that I hope it's helpful, I know it's helpful, right? Because I've walked through it, and little did I know my, my journey with anxiousness, anxiety, really started um, in August. Um, my stroke, um, it's you know, crazy, Raf's story of his stroke, and there's been several strokes in our church, and just how God has surrounded me with people that have walked this journey um, my stroke was in November, but we, went, we were on sabbatical last summer, and we got to take, a, at the end of that, a family vacation to New York City. What? All right, We got a, we got a bunch of New Yorkers in second service. They're not here um, in first service. But, uh, so we did all the things, right? We hit uh, Central Park and Times Square and World Trade Center and all the stuff and walked by Madison Square Garden, didn't go in it. But one night, uh, I think it was our last night, we were walking by Empire State Building and saw that you know, they're advertising these, these tours where you could go up at sunset. It's like, how cool would that be? So I've got two boys and a girl, and my wife, the five of us, I'm like, let's do this. And the girls were like, nah, we're good. So they went back to the hotel and me and the boys went up. So if you've ever been, raise your hand, Empire State Building, you ever been up on that elevator, the longest elevator ride in history. Like, Most of our church has been to the Empire. So this elevator ride, like, that's when I first start feeling, oh no. Right? I don't think I've got like whatever the word is for fear of heights, I don't think I have that. But as I get older, I get more of it. So I get up there and it's like, it's, it's completely irrational. If you've been up there, it's completely enclosed. Like you're inside a building, then you walk out and there's this big fence gate, right? There's no way, like you'd have to work really hard to fall off this thing, right? And I get out there with the boys and they're all about it and they're running up to the edge to take pictures, putting their arm out there. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like, if you drop your phone, that'll kill somebody from that height. Like, don't drop, like, and they're like, Dad. And I, I have to go inside. Like, I, I'll just watch them, And I'm, like, starting to get this feeling, right? You had that feeling. Like, I got to get out of here. Like, I can't leave my boys out there in New York City at Empire State Building. but I cannot do this. And they give us about 15 minutes to walk, and, and the boys take some of these great pictures, and eventually uh, we get a picture of the three of us, I think, to prove that I was there. All right? <laughs> and 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 here's the first lesson of today all right i look decent right there right you wouldn't think that i'm falling apart and here's what you need to know about people among you in your life and in your church you can't see it right nobody i don't think would know like i'm struggling right there I, i've never been wanting to get on the elevator so bad in my life like i can't have fun i can't enjoy it i can i feel so it's not just butterflies it's all i'm just all messed up like I gotta get off of this building. Like we're way too high. I'm thinking about all kinds of crazy, irrational things, like stuff that isn't gonna happen, but I don't even go out on the, on the. Th- it's a beautiful night. I don't even go out and enjoy it. I'm just waiting till the boys, I say, boy, I'll be in here when you're ready to go. We go down a couple steps, flight, and then we, a uh, flight of steps, then we get on the elevator, and I get down to that gift shop, and I'm so happy. I was so happy to get back on ground level, right? And then I journaled through that week, I journaled, I was like, oh my goodness, is this what people are talking about? Because I could get off the Empire State Building and I was great. But I thought, are there people in my life that deal with this and they can't get rid of that feeling? That would be unbearable, right? So that was the, I see now that was the first like beginning of what this could be be like, right? So I've had, you know, leading up to the series, there's been a lot of conversation, which I like, and I've had, you know, people like, yeah, I don't, I've never really struggled with that, but i got people in my life that do, right? And I, and I think we do. I think just this morning, listen to the worship team, just back here, we pray before and I heard the words anxious and nerve wracking, like there's so much anxiety around you if you don't know. And if we use this clinical definition, here's on the screen, anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry thoughts, thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. I think we've all experienced that, right? It's the levels that that change, but we've all experienced anxiety by that definition. So my journey, um, November 15th, five months ago yesterday, right? I had a a stroke um, and and things have been very different in me as far as struggling with anxiety. The best way to explain it, it's not, thankfully, it's not like I'm on the Empire State Building 24-7, but it is. I've compared it to a roller coaster. When you're getting ready to get on a roller that feeling right before you, you get into the car, I have that most mornings. I have that a lot of life. So if you do a one to 10 to scale on stress, like there was stress in my life pre-stroke, you know things that were a two or three, I feel like now in my current life, everything is a 10. It's not that everything's a 10. It's that everything feels like a 10 in my life, right? This little things that aren't a big deal um, can like throw me into... of a crazy place so i've been on a journey to try to figure out what is happening why right why why is this going on and it's been really hard to get those answers but um if what i found is a lot of times doctors can't agree with each other you ever found that so so they disagree on this thing but there's one thing that my primary my neurosurgeon my therapist and my psychiatrist all agree on and that is what this is coming from for me this is my story this isn't your story we're all different but they all agree that it's a combination of two things for me. One, it's trauma, right? Ralph Lane used that word we talked about, his stroke, the traumatic. So something about if you ever had a life or death experience, it messes with you. The trauma of what could have happened, right? It stays with you and trauma can come in all forms. So that's part of what I'm dealing with. The other part is the chemical piece. Basically, when my blood clot happened, I had a stroke, like we had to reboot the computer this morning, my brain got rebooted, it got reshuffled, so all of these chemicals are rewiring slowly but surely getting better, and because of that, they're sending signals to my body that we're in trouble, right, and that affects my digestive system, it affects my ability to handle um, things that weren't that big deal. Now, everybody deals with some level of anxiety, the difference is the intensity, right? I got nervous before my stroke, right? I got nervous at Empire State Building. The difference now is the intensity is at a whole different level for me personally, right? So you say, I don't really struggle with anxiety like that. Thank God for that. But I bet you get nervous and worried about something, right? That's what Jesus spoke to in his probably his most famous message called the Sermon on the Mount. He says this. He says, hey, I, therefore I tell you, don't worry, about what about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes are right, a couple things on jesus' words there we'll go back to where we were, yeah one um i've i've worried about you name it i 've worried about it right i'm not proud of that um, but one thing I think I have not worried about is clothes all right i don't think that's been on my list, but he just so casually says, hey, I'm telling you, don't worry. All right, let me, let me say this. This is, this is how we are here. Sometimes we talk to Jesus this way. Let me say this to you, Jesus. I've said it to you before. Let me say it to you publicly. That's not helpful, <laughs> All right. If you're really struggling with anxiety and, not, and you came here because we're talking about anxious and the message from God is, hey, don't, don't be anxious, right? If you got somebody in your life, a lot of this series is for people that somebody in your life struggles with this and you don't. Right. Not real helpful to say, hey, stop worrying. Right. Not helpful. Right. Um, So that in itself. Don't worry from Jesus hasn't really helped me. But what he says after that has been massively helpful. Right. I think part of the part of the cultural story, part of what's happened in the church because of how we talk about mental health is that we we wonder if we're powerless if God's powerless, we're going to show today what he's not, and we're not powerless against this. It's not, he's got a lot more force than, hey, don't worry. It's a lot better than that, right? And he continues, and I'm not going to read it word for word, but he uses two examples that they would have understood. He said, look at the birds of the air, All right? They don't do anything. They don't work. They sow, they don't sow, they don't, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. If you're worried about food, look at the birds. God feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are, All right, we just saying, aren't you more valuable than a raven or a crow or a parakeet or whatever. You are, you're more valuable than a bird. And God takes the time detail to feed the birds. And then he says this zinger, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Oh, and now in 2023, we know scientifically and medically you can decrease hours from your life. Your worry costs you years off your life. Right? Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, dead on. In fact, Penn State did a study not too long ago, and they had people who are struggling with anxiety and worry. They had them journal all their anxious thoughts, right, which is a crazy experiment, and then they followed them and they found 92% of what we worry about never happens. 8% of the worries in all these people actually were stuff that happened. So 92% of what we worry about is, is a waste, right? Who, who, what are we adding to our life? Nothing good. So these, th- those two phrases are in my mouth. They have helped me when I'm sitting and struggling, whatever, birds of the air, grass of the field. And I've, ad- I've added my own. Can I do that? Can I add on to scripture in a way? Birds of the air, grass of the field, my dogs. All right. Because I lo- look at the look and the most important word in that whole scripture that was up there is look, right? Because he starts with don't worry. That's not helpful. You got to take, you got to look around. You got to, be aware, look, some some translations say consider, consider, look, take observation of the birds of the air. There's nature. There's these birds every day and God feeds them. He handles them and you're more valuable than they are. If he handles them, then he's got you, right? Birds of the air. means God is in control. God's saying, I see the birds. You know, I see you. Some of you really struggle, and it's going to mess with your anxiety. You really struggle to think that God is personal and knows your name and knows what you're thinking and carrying this morning. He does. He knows what you're thinking right now. That's crazy. Right? Look at the birds. Jesus said, look at the birds. I got you. I see you. God is in control. And then he says, grass of the field, grass of the field. If you're worried about getting you know, your needs met, if you're worried about getting clothed, I clothe the grass of the field better than, right? And it's grass, which is meaningless, right? And then later in that scripture, he If we'll go back to that, yeah. If that is how God clothes the grass, which is here and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? Right? And then and Jesus goes on and says, What do we eat? What do we drink? All these things that we can worry about. He says, Your father, that's the word, your father knows that you need them. He's a good father. He knows that you need him. And all these things I'll handle. Just don't, just seek me first. Just trust me first. All these things will be given. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And this is maybe my favorite thing Jesus ever said. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Right? All right. So I'm telling you, this is a tool. We're going to give you a bunch of tools. We'll get real practical. This is a five-week series. Week four, May 7th, we're going to unload a whole tool bag to fight these, this battle against anxiety. But here's the first tools. I say this. I repeat this. Birds of the air, grass of the field. I added my puppies because my wife and I joke, uh, my dogs, Ripley and Hooper, those are my dogs right? When you look, they don't struggle with anxiety, right? They're like like the most chill dogs. They're just like, they don't know anything that's going on with me. They're so like unaffected by what's going on around them, right? And they're dogs, right? I know some of you think dogs are humans, but that's all right. That's your problem. Um, Birds of the air, God's got them. Grass of the field, right? If he takes care of the grass, he loves you. He says, I see you, I got you. Birds of the air, grass of the field, Ripley and Hooper, Okay, there is a God who knows what I'm struggling with, and he's with me in this. It's not just Jesus saying, don't worry. It's much better than that. Let's go to Peter. All right, that's, Jesus said that. Let's go to Peter. Peter, who uh, wrote a letter that, crazy enough, we call First Peter, um, and, and he's writing that letter to a church that's being persecuted. You talk about worry, like their lives are on the line, and in that, he says, casting all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. Right, and I don't know if that is, uh, that's been, to me, that's been much more helpful because that's an action step than just Jesus saying, don't worry. But grass of the field, birds of the air, Ripley and Hooper, that's been helpful. But this has been so helpful because first of all, it assumes something. Casting all your anxieties on him, it it assumes that you have them, right? What scripture does not say is if you struggle with anxiety, then cast it on him. Peter is assuming that you're having you have anxiety. We all have it. He's just telling us what to do with it, right? So a big, 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 fat part of this series is trying to destigmatize anxiety in the church, right? We have not done well historically as the overall church of talking about this and normalizing this. Um, sometimes we can we can really isolate people accidentally with this. Um, I told you I've worried about all kinds of things, and um, the reason I'm sitting down is not because I can't stand up, I can. Uh, We've just noticed a correlation, headaches bring anxiety to me because of connection to the brain and all that, and I've noticed when I stand up and preach, I'm more likely to get a Sunday afternoon, Monday morning headache, so we're just trying to figure that out, that's why I'm... I'm seated. But even when I get headaches, we've had to call the neurologist a few times, like, hey, what is going on? And they're say, hey, here's what you got to look for. Do you have any blurriness, any slurring of speech, any left side deficits? No, no, no. Never had any of that since the stroke. Praise God. Those are the things that we're supposed to watch for. Um, so one morning, I got up a couple months ago and I shared this with one service. Um, you may not have heard it, but I got up one morning and uh, put on my glasses and everything looked awful. Like just things looked crazy. Like I was in a you know, one of those things at the fair, the mirror, like everything looked off. And I was like, oh boy, here it is. This is the second stroke. This is D-Day. This is what I've been praying against. This is my worst fear and worst nightmare, right? I took my glasses off. Then I realized I had accidentally slept in my contacts. <laughs> and I, when you have contacts and you put glasses on over contacts, it's not, it's not good. Now, I know, like some of you worry about my memory. I know I told that story a uh, couple months ago. I told it to one service and not to the other right? But I told it on purpose because I needed that laugh. You need to laugh. We're talking about this. We're talking about doing this series. And in staff meeting, Raph Gonzalez was like, man, we've like, it's been, a, we've been a becoming a praying church, and this has been hard on the church. Like Everybody's walking with you. It's been good, but it's been just heavy. Are you sure you want to do a series on anxious? It's like, I'll get them laugh. Will, will, it'll be fun. There's some funny stuff about anxiety that we'll have to walk through. But here's the point of that. I have uh, nearsightedness, right? I can't... Uh, like, if, if I didn't have my contacts in, I wouldn't know if we were a multi-ethnic church. <laughs> like, I can't see. Like, I can't drive, it's bad, right? Um, and guess what? Not one of you, not one of you, I, can, I know you, not one of you thinks less of me because I wear contacts. Guess what, my eye is an organ of the body, and it's deficient. There's something wrong with my eyes, have been since I was a kid, I'll never remember, forget. That second or third grade, when I got glasses for the first time, I'm riding home, like seeing leaves on trees, like this is an amazing world out here, right? <laughs> I've been so blind. And nobody at that time as a kid or nobody in this room thinks any less of me, right? Your brain is an organ. It gets sick, right? Somebody comes in today and is like, yeah, I've got you know, arthritis. Nobody thinks less of you. But somehow in church world and in, in real world, when our brains get sick, we think all kinds of things. Sometimes we put stuff and sometimes we blame. I've listened to a lot of stuff about anxiety and sometimes even in stuff that's out there currently today, you you can hear a message about anxiety or depression or mental health and you can receive, well, what have you done wrong? What have you done wrong to tick off God or where's your lack of faith that it must be something wrong with you and that's why you're struggling. And we don't do that with the flu, right? We don't do that with anything else. We don't do that with eyesight issues. We're not gonna do it with mental health. Right? Your brain is an organ that can get sick, right? and we're going we're to treat it appropriately and hopefully in these five weeks destigmatize like this. Here, here's how we want to say it. Um, just because anxiety is not your fault does not mean that you are helpless. Right? Now, sometimes, I'm not saying it's your fault. Sometimes we need to take some action steps, and so we're going to get a little bit of that today and a lot of that in the next few weeks. We need to take some action steps in our own lives. Um, but, but a lot of times your brain got sick. A lot of times it's trauma, it's chemical, it's all these different things, that it's not your fault, right? God's not mad at you, right? You're not a freak, right? You're not hopeless um, and you're not helpless, right? So sometimes we gotta take some steps. Um, and let's go back to 1 Peter 5, 7, all right? This, this idea, this casting, Peter was a fisherman, right? So it's this idea of throwing, like you're taking something from here and you're putting it over here. You're taking your anxiety. Now, that can be deep, intense anxiety like I've been struggling with, right? Or it can be just like every day I'm just worried about my kids. I'm just like it's more, you know, small-scale worry. All that, it fits. Whether you're struggling with intense stuff or like normal, everyday stuff. Scripture is true for all of us, right? We have to take that and we have to throw it. We have to give it and put it in his lap because he cares for you, right? That scripture has been... So helpful. It's a it's a it's what one pastor uh, called the great exchange. All right. You're you're giving something. Here's the great exchange. I release to you what I'm concerned about, and I receive that you are concerned about me. I release to you, God, what I'm worried about, what I'm anxious about. That's a hard that's easy to say, easy to preach, hard to do. Right? This is not something that I do here and there. This is Exchange is a daily thing for me. Some days, it's an hourly thing. All right, I'm holding on. I'm, I'm, ah, I've got to give. I'm anxious about this headache. I'm anxious about my kids. I'm anxious about life. I'm anxious about health. I got to give. I got to release that to you. I give you what I'm concerned about, and I got to, the second part is just as important. I receive that you care for me, that you're concerned about me, that you're not oblivious, that you're not tuned out. I receive, God, that you care about what I'm going through. You're concerned for me. And I release to you what I'm concerned about. Now, I'd love to just leave it right there. It's a beautiful verse. We're casting. You're taking your anxiety, and you've got to cast it. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll throw a little slider to God. Like, I just got to gotta take this. It's, it's wearing me out. I don't want to. That's why it's not helpful to say, hey, quit worrying, right? Because I'm not waking up trying to worry. That's not on my to-do list. Like, I really hope I get consumed with anxiety today. I got to do something with it, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a mental exercise. I take it, I'm putting it, I'm throwing it on Jesus. You can handle it. You want it. I see him sitting up in a chair saying, give it to me. I care about you. So I cast it onto him because he cares for me. It's such an important deal. But I have to to be a good preacher. I've got to connect verse 7 to verse six, because we started mid-verse. We started with the word casting, which comes after a comma. Here's here's what we got to attach it to. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Comma. What what does that mean? How do you humble yourself? By casting your anxiety on him. That is the act of humility. I'm releasing this to you, God, and I'm putting it on you instead of holding it myself. I'm not preaching that if you're anxious, it's your fault. What I'm telling you is God has connected, as part of my journey, and so we rejoice suffering, it leads to endurance, leads to character, leads to hope. Part of that character is he's connected some of my anxiety to pride, to a desire. Raph already preached it, Raph Lane, when he was sharing his testimony. It's connected to that word, you're gonna hate this word, control, right? Control and anxiety are brothers and sisters. Like when you desire control, That leads to our anxiety. So part of giving up control is to humble ourselves, right? And that's so important and so hard, hard for me to do. I'm I'm gonna share, I feel feel naked up here today, emotionally, right? I've I've tried to control I I'm first first meeting with the neurosurgeon after all my surgery I was so like I had all my phone, I had all this list of questions, and my main question was, all right, my carotid artery dissected. I got another carotid artery over here. How do we make sure that one doesn't dissect? What caused this? And my neurosurgeon looked at me and he's, he's an awesome old man. He said, uh, you got me mixed up with somebody else. And he pointed up. I was like, Well, well what do you what, what, what you got your doctor, right? Like what caused this? He's like We have no idea, and we'll probably never know, and you're probably wasting time and effort if you try to, like, spend a... But I need to know what caused it, because then I can prevent and control, right? And that control, like, I want to control my health. And sometimes you need to take some control of your health. But there's other ways. Um, I just, you know, God is a God of certainty. We live in uncertain lives. The more you want to control and have certainty in life, the more anxious you're going to be. Right? And that's hard. That's a humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Here's, here's a story to explain. Um, I've had Raph Lane as one of them. Uh, there's so many people in this church that have spoken to me from clinical experience. And, and the last week of this series, we're going to have a round table, round table with some counselors and, and um, social workers and some people that deal in mental health. So you can hear from somebody who like, knows what they're talking about, because um, I ain't none of that. I'm not a doctor. Um, but, but Chauncey Hatcher's in the room. I didn't tell him I was going to talk about him, but he's, he's a counselor and he's had, uh, some medical history that's similar enough. And I know he loves me. So, so I was talking to him a few weeks ago and I told him, I was like, listen, I'm struggling. I'm just sick of not feeling good. I'm just sick of this feeling. I can't get rid of. If God would tell me when it's going to end, I can, I can make it. If he would say Christmas 2024, that's a year and a half. I can get there. If I just knew that's my finish line, I don't care if it's July 4th this year, July 4th next year. If I just had a certainty that it was gonna be over, then I can get to that date, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with wanting a date. And Chauncey, in love, and he didn't say it as harshly as I'm gonna say it to you, but, but in love and in wisdom, he said, that's control. That's you trying to get control. One, God's not gonna give you a date ain't going to happen, right? It's just a trust that he knows a date, and you're not going to know the date, and it's day by day. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? Don't worry about tomorrow, right? So so he kind of walked me through, and I constantly come back. I'm really creative with trying to control this whole journey. How can I take control of when am I going to be better, right? When, how do I get there? When, when am I going to be better? Just tell me how much longer, Lord. Like, are you hearing my prayers? How much longer? And it's a humbling myself of God knows what my future is as far as health goes. Birds of the air, grass of the field. He's got them, he's got me. I don't get to know the future. I don't get to control the future. I don't get to know my future health issues or what comes back and what doesn't come back. I've got to admit who's the created and who's the creator. So I humble myself under this mighty hand of God. Sometimes in my prayer time, I pretend I'm sitting in this huge hand of God, right, this mighty hand of God. And, and scripturally, that's an important phrase because in the Old Testament, there's a, it's a mighty hand of God and outstretched arm. The mighty hand, it, it kind of symbolizes his providence, which providence means he provides. Going back to birds, the air, grass, and the field, it's all one story, Genesis to Revelation. Birds, the air, grass, the field. Under the mighty hand and the outstretched arm, we humble ourselves under who's God and who's not. We humble ourselves under that. And at the proper time, he will lift you up. I want to know when the proper time is, Right? And he doesn't, like, that's part of the humbling is I don't get to know the future. I'm not God. You're not, you, I don't know what he's gonna do with your prayer request. He does. And you just gotta trust him in that. So we, that, that phrase that's on the screen, out, outstretched arm of God, it goes back to a story I've told before. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I didn't find it until the last a year or so. It's an amazing, it's funny. Um, Moses was a leader and he had, he had a tough church, man. He led the Israelites. And if you know the story, God called Moses and his brother Aaron to go and talk to Pharaoh. These people were slaves and and abused and they got released and freed and taken to the promised land, but they didn't go straight from Egypt to the promised land. There was a journey in between. So they're in this journey and you got some of these Israelites that forgot what they just got rescued from. They start complaining specifically about food. They start complaining about meat. They're like, man, in Egypt, we had steak. Yeah, we may have been beaten and enslaved and treated horribly, but at least we had meat. It would have been better if God had never saved us. Right? You imagine like Moses here and like all that I went through and all that God did. He parted the Red Sea. He did all this for us. We celebrated last week all that Jesus accomplished for us. And here they are. They're, they're complaining and saying, you know what? I wish we could go back to being slaves because at least we had good food because they're out in the desert and they don't have anything to eat. And we want meat. We want meat. We want meat. Right? Sound like teenagers. And Moses is like, God, what do I do with these people? Like, I'm supposed to be leading them, and all they wanna talk about is meat. So he goes to God, and Moses and God have this conversation, and God is awesome. He's like, all right, that's how they wanna be. They want meat, we'll give them meat. We're gonna give them meat every day, every meal for a month. We'll give them so much meat, it's coming out their butts. It it says nostrils, actually, I changed that. Right? He says, we're gonna give them so much meat, it's coming out their nose. And, and Moses' response is, Moses' response is, God, we don't have enough animals. Like, how are we going to give them meat? You're talking about giving them meat every day for a month? There's 600,000 of them. We don't have enough meat to, like, how in the world can we do that? That's impossible. And here's the verse. The Lord answered Moses. So is the Lord's arm too short? Woo-wee. Now we'll see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Meaning, my outstretched arm, I got you. My mighty hand and my outstretched arm, I know what you're walking through. I know you you don't know it's going to ever end. I know you feel a little hopeless, a little helpless today. I know you feel like I'm not here. I'm here. Birds of the air, grass of the field. Is my arm too short for you, Moses? I just freed you from Pharaoh. I just parted, parted the Red Sea and killed a whole army chasing you down. You think my arm's too short to provide some meat? My arm is not too short. And then he sends some quail and they eat birds for a month, just like... God told him they would. And he has brought that back to me so many times. Is my arm too short? God, I'm anxious. I'm sick of being anxious. I want to get help. I want to get better. I want to get better. I want to get better. Are you hearing me? Is my arm too short? Right? I think that's part of the, the beauty of this, of this series. I've got some notes up here. I did that last week for Easter, and some of you got worried about me. Like, what are you staring at? Are you, are you blanking out? No, I got, I'm looking at my notes. Back off. <laughs> I don't need you. I got enough worry about, I don't need you worrying about me. Um, we're we're going to provide hope in this series that God's arm is not too short. Now I, I can say, and I don't know how intense your anxiety, depression, mental, I don't know how intense it is, but I do know his arm's not too short, right? He has, and his timeline, I don't know. Here's his timeline. It goes back to uh, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves before the Lord, right? That's his timeline. And at the proper time, he will raise you up. When's the proper time? He gets to know that. We don't. And part of what we're doing today as we open it up is just to try to kill some of this stigma because here's what happens in churches everywhere. You're struggling with anxiety and somehow through a preacher, somehow you you hear there's something wrong with my faith, right? There's a whole like denomination. I was going to talk about the church of scientists and all this. And and they teach that if you're struggling with mental health or any physical ailment, it's a faith issue, like it's your fault, right? So then if you feel like I'm in this place and I don't want to be like this, but I am, and I need help from my church or my God, but you go and you get the message, like it's my fault that I'm where I'm at, what are you going to do? You're going to isolate, right? And where does anxiety just dominate in isolation, right? Depression, depression. Um, anxiety just has a heyday when we isolate ourselves so so we've got to be a church that says hey this is okay this is normal you're not the only one if you'd have told me there'd be three four five people in our church that had walked through a stroke I'd have said no way because when I had a stroke I was like I've never heard of anybody by my age having a stroke I'm the only one and in our little church God has provided people that are ahead of me on the journey you're not the only one dealing with whatever you're dealing with and it's okay here right it's, it's part of what we talk about. It's part of what Jesus spoke to. It's part of the scriptures are, are full of help and we're going to get help because what happens if you isolate, here's what people tell themselves. Well, church, Relentless Church isn't a place for me because it's for people that got it, got it together. Right? And I'm like, I'm scared to get out of bed some days so I don't have it together so I can't fit in there. There's no place for me there because I don't have it together. Right? You don't have to worry about that here because your pastor doesn't have it together. And I know that's hard for some of you. I know some of you want a pastor who doesn't struggle with anxiety. Right? That makes two of us. Right? <laughs> but if you, want, if you want a pastor that's, that doesn't struggle, you're going to get frustrated here. Right? I was looking at the stage. I won't go into their stories, the, the beautiful people that are leading us in worship. So much struggle with, and I don't know if this was on purpose or God did this, Just this morning's team, like so much anxiety struggle just on the stage. Like, there's a bunch of us. It's normal. We know statistically it's crazy. It's worse than it's ever been. So, church should be a place that you run. The more anxious you are, the more I got to get there, not the other way, right? The reason people stay away is because it's been stigmatized. They think, oh, it's not like other, it's not like eyesight, it's not like other issues. Mental health issues are, are different and there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing. It's part of life. It's part of the brokenness of our world. We get sick, right? And sometimes our brains get sick and we're going to give you some tools to know what to do when that happens. He will help us. He's going to help us. He already helped us today just with this exchange. I'm going to release what I'm concerned about. I'm going to receive that you're concerned about me. Grass of the field, birds of the air, Ripley and Hooper. That's helpful. He's going to help us. He's going to help us through his word, right? He's going to help us through other people and stories and testimonies. And in some cases, he's going to help us through medicine, right? And we'll get to that. We'll talk specifically about that because you talk about a stigma with medicine. Um, there's so much of that. So we'll get to that in this series. Nobody thinks less of me because I wear contacts, right? How, what would you think of me if, you just, if I just said, hey, I can't see anything. I'm just praying that God will give me my better sight. Why don't you go to the eye doctor, dude? Get some, get some help, right? So we'll talk about all the options and we'll get nitty gritty into that my own journey, um, and I've got my own biases. I gotta be honest with you. At the beginning of this message, early in the message, I talked about my medical team and how they all agreed on, on not many things. And I mentioned my neurosurgeon. I got, no, I got no problems with that because I had brain surgery, so I have a neurosurgeon. I have, I've always been big into counseling. Counseling has saved my life. So I mentioned my therapist. That came out of my mouth, super easy. My primary doctor, I go to the doctor. That was easy to say. But there was that fourth word that did not come out easy. I don't want you to know that I see a psychiatrist because in my own little world, my bias, there's all kinds of stigma. Psychologist, cool. Psychiatrist, oh, that's like, you know, straight stuff, like in... I just got, I got, I got all kinds of stupid stuff that's, that's wrong. if you look up psychiatrist, the definition, it's somebody who deals in the area of mental health, mental illness. And I don't want to, I don't want to look at myself. I don't look in the mirror and think I'm mentally ill because that comes with all kinds of other things. What does that break that down? Mentally ill means my brain's not healthy. It's not right. So I see a psychiatrist and this psychiatrist happens to be a, a woman of faith who, who knows Jesus. I'll see her tomorrow and I'm looking forward to it. And she's been extremely helpful. There's help out there, but we've got to tear down some of the walls that the enemy, the enemy, we'll see the enemy in the final verse, the enemy has, has set up to, to get us help. Let me, let me give you three things, and we'll call it a day. One, um, just the kind of church we are. This is a, rela- uh, a Relentless uh, Partnership Covenant. When you decide to partner with us, the path to this is something called Welcome to Relentless. It's a big deal. We do this, uh, we're doing this this Tuesday night, um, 630. We need you to sign up. If you'd like to take a next step or just know more about us and where we're going, it's a really important night, get to know our staff. There's a great section of Q&A. It's it's one of my favorite nights. We do this three, four times a year. So this is this Tuesday, two days from now, right here at 6.30. We need you to go on our website and sign up. Um, The only way to become a partner at Relentless is to come to Welcome to Relentless. Well, I got the partnership covenant in my hand because I was reminded of this. so there's five pillars of partnership. Some of you have committed to this. We've got more than 50 partners that have committed to show, grow, bring, serve, and give. Like that's how we're financially supported. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but in that show, there's a paragraph in the covenant that says this. For a partner, Sunday morning is a get-to instead of a have-to. A partner prioritizes Sunday morning and shows up with a contagious anticipation for the Lord to work. Right? And I had somebody, a brother that I'm thankful for that was... Troubled by that. And he said, I don't think I can sign that covenant. I was like, why not? He's like, man, that's not me. Every Sunday morning waking up with a get-to, with an a contagious anticipation. He's like, honestly, that's not me. And I'm like, well, it's, I don't think that's anybody 100% of the time. But he said, well, that's what it says. He's a very literal brother. And I was like, so so we are, uh, we are in the process of amending the covenant to maybe not, not say things in such drastic ways. Because you're here, and I'm glad you, the week, not Alan East, you're here the week after Easter at 9 a.m., Right. Maybe it was a get to. I hope it was. But sometimes I don't feel it, but I need to. Right. So we're a church that's just trying to be honest. And I'm, I'm, I'm laying myself pretty bare in this series of where I'm at and what we're walking through. And there's going to be some days where you're not feeling it. Man, if we live by our feelings, it's such a hard, hard, hard life. Right. Anxiousness is a feeling, but we've got to we've got to trust Jesus over our feelings right? So I use that just to, so the covenant, you know, if that's holding you back, you know, it's, it's a, it's an extreme best case scenario. Also, I use that as a cheap way to invite you Tuesday night. We'd love for you to come. Um, Three things. Second thing, um, and I'll stand up here to finish up. um, And this is just my heart. Um, We plan ahead. That's part of one of the tools. Chaos breeds anxiety when you're not planned, right? That's a whole nother thing. Control freaks say amen in their hearts. But we, uh, we planned our, our messages out months ago. And so I knew that we were going to preach a series on anxiety. Didn't know what we were going to call it, anxious. You guys voted last week um, to call it anxious. I like the beast called anxiety, but y'all vetoed me. So um, when we planned this back in February or so, here was my thought. Oh, that'll be awesome. April, May series. By then, I can tell everybody how God brought me through this. I wanted it to be complete. And here we are week one, April 16th, and I am far from complete, right? I had stuff even this week. I was in a doctor's office because um, I have these headaches and, and, and uh, I was trying to get some relief and the, doc- the primary doctor said, hey, don't leave until I get a hold of your neurosurgeon. I'm like, what? And then they left me for an hour just sitting there, right? And I'm looking out the window like birds of the air. Send me a bird, God. <laughs> Like I'm like, it is, I wanted to stand up here and say, here's what God brought me through. Here's where I was and here's where I am. Right. And I would have loved if that was the case. But what's more powerful? This is who we are, Relentless Church. We don't, sometimes we don't need a testimony that's all pretty and buttoned up with a bow on top. Right. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm not out of the woods. I'm not through this, but I'm believing it. Right. So you're going to walk with me. We're going to watch. I don't know where I'll be at the end of this series, right? I don't get to control that. I'm just going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. His arm's not too short. And I'm just going to, let me ask you to stand up. I want to end this first week um, just by getting this whole scripture, the whole context of what Peter was talking about. I want to just say and pray this over you, starting in verse 6. This is, what do we do with this? We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. What does humbling yourself look like? Next verse casting all your anxieties on him. It's a daily practice for me because he cares for you. Now, we got to connect it to whatever he said la- after that. Keep going, yeah. Be sober-minded. Be watchful with your anxiety. Your adversary, you have an enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's devouring people with their mental health today, and God gives us answers. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace is a promise who has called you to his eternal glory will what? Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, as I pray over this blessed group, I don't know everything that everybody's got, but you do. God, I'm so encouraged by what Pastor Rick Warren said. He said that all, so many times our greatest ministry is out of our greatest pain. God, thank you for bringing me to this stage and allowing me to speak on what not you have done, but what you're in the process of doing. And God, just pray that scripture over us that we would believe your promise that you will establish and restore and confirm God, teach us to cast our anxiety. May that matter. When we get to Tuesday this week and whatever life brings us, God, remind the birds of the air, grass of the field. You got us, you see us, you love us. Remind us to cast our anxiety, to make that exchange, to receive your concern and to release what's bothering us. God, remind us your arm is not too short. You raised from the dead. We celebrated that last week. You're not overwhelmed by our anxiety. Give us hope and give us peace as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week, church, or maybe Tuesday night.